Well, top of the morning to you. It is Tuesday, March 7th, and this is our weekly key market drivers report. There's our contact information. As always, we'd love to hear to you, hear from you. So let's go ahead and uh, and get into it here. Um, probably actually a relatively quiet week uh, for a lot of commodities. The soy complex again did nothing last week. Corn and wheat continued to trend lower here just a little bit, as we'll show you. But um, Scott and I were talking in the office this morning, kind of a little bit surprised that the market is not a bit more reactive to this this Black Sea Grain Initiative, this extension of this deal to export grain out of the Ukraine that expires on the 19th. It goes through the 18th of this month, and it's just like nothing's happening. Uh, Scott will talk a little bit more about that in a second, but you know, this is a market that not that many months ago seemed hyper-reactive to any good or bad news coming out of that part of the country, and yet it's almost like the corn and wheat markets, I wouldn't say have thrown in the towel, but they just keep trending lower and we don't have the deal link. So I don't know what to make of that, but uh, that's been a little bit of a surprise to us uh, uh, on the way down. Uh, we've been talking about palm oil for months and months and months and months has been in this 900 and something dollar trading range. Uh, it is broken out to the upside, but I would say not emphatically. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that when I get to that section of today's report. And then, of course, tomorrow we have the March WASD, which uh, very similar to the February WASD doesn't really necessarily mean a lot. I think the market's eyes are generally going to be looking to see what the USDA has to say uh, about Argentine corn and soybean production. But uh, again, we'll show you what the average trade estimates are uh, for that when we when we get to it here. So, so Scotty, let's let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, I think one of the headlines that I saw uh, the other day was that uh, Kansas City wheat now looking at the May futures was below eight dollars for the first time since before the war the, the yep. war started over last January. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got uh, Chicago wheat is down under seven dollars, and I think you told us last week that that was like 17 month lows. That actually well predates the war. Yeah, that's going back to last September. So, what are you hearing about this deal, and what are your thoughts on? Well, I. I, I honestly not hearing a lot about this deal. We've we've read now uh, news wires and articles and columns for weeks that you know everybody kind of knows what the Ukrainians want, which is basically that uh, they think that the deal's going too slow. They're not getting enough stuff out. They think that the Russian inspectors are dragging their feet. They'd like to. Uh, uh, add Mikolaev as a port to ship out of. They'd like to add steel and some other things. We know what the Russians want. The Russians, um, you got to remember now, the Russians continue to ship all the stuff that ships out of uh, the Azov Sea and out of the Black Sea, Russian ex, uh, uh, ports. None of that's in the grain deal, right? So they continue to ship no problems at all. What they would like to see is that they would like to see um, some attention given to those sanctions, uh, the banking and the logistics and the insurance sanctions that are on all of their crude oil and other things that really are not aimed or pointed at the ag commodities. Um, because, you know, all these humanitarians in the world want to make sure that we continue to get food where it needs to go. But 
those sanctions are still holding up or, or hampering some of their ag exports, and they'd like to see some of that uh, addressed. So we know what both sides want. Um, supposedly, Turkey said that, uh, yep, we're working on it. We're working hard to get a deal done. But, you know, today even, nobody's still sitting at a table yet hammering out the details. There, there is no dates that I have read of we are going to start negotiations on X. Right. And and we've been thinking that now for at, at least, least the last days. two weeks, if not three. Um, I think the marketplace clearly, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but they are, the marketplace is clearly comfortable uh, with the state of affairs right now with, with how much wheat we have in the world and how much corn we have in the world. We're able to um, uh, uh, get things moved around at the current price levels or, or maybe a little bit lower, um, and, and they're not too terribly concerned about it. What was your uh, comment about the Cargill Oh uh, yeah, there was a read in. I think it was a Pro Farmer uh, Morning Wire this morning that the CEO of Cargill was quote very optimistic end quote of getting this uh, getting this deal renewed. So what does he know that we don't? I, I don't know, but uh, maybe he you know he's the CEO of Cargill, so he very yeah, he, likely might know something. But it doesn't seem like anything's moving, but it also doesn't look like the market seems to be overly concerned. At least yeah. not now. I was listening to I was listening to a, a, a pro farmer thing yesterday as well, and they were interviewing somebody. And I apologize, I wasn't paying attention until they started talking about this, so I didn't catch who they were interviewing. But um, it was kind of the same thing that uh, the individual they were interviewing said. They were very, very confident that there will be a lot of noise, and then there will be a there will be an agreement. So the market, they said they don't think is is overly concerned about this. So I don't know. Maybe maybe some people have more insight into this. Or maybe some people just have a lot more faith that the uh, uh, process will work. But I've kind of heard the same thing Scott heard. Yeah, well, my experience for doing this almost 40 years, to your point, is that you know, markets are rarely wrong. Uh, it's often our inability to understand all the moving parts, shameless plug intended, and, and under, understand the dynamics. So very possible that there is something going on behind the scenes here that uh, those in the know, uh, are, that's why the comfort comes from. So any rate, uh, other top headlines, uh, today and tomorrow, we will have Fed Chairman Powell before the Senate Banking Committee. Um, you know, the market's going to be looking to this to try to figure out, uh, I think, a couple things. First off, the next rate hike, which would be later this month at the uh, monthly meeting. Whether it's going to be a quarter point or a half a point, um, I think the market uh, a month and a half ago would have told you the, the bet, the Fed funds rate futures bet was a quarter of a point, almost 100 uh, percent hedging their bets a little bit at this point with the data, uh, the uh, inflation data that we've talked about here lately. So that'll affect things probably more the equity markets maybe necessarily uh, than us. And of course, uh, we have the WASD. So let's just look at the WASD here. Before we do that, I had this slide for you. Uh, Bill sent this out this weekend. Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting because the, like literally Sunday, my wife was watching the news. There was another derailment, I think also in Ohio that they were reporting on. And she looked at me and she said, why are we having so much more railroad derailments right now? And at that point, I hadn't seen this slide, but my reaction was, just because it's on the news a lot doesn't necessarily mean we're having a lot of them. And I think we had this very bad one in Ohio uh, that we've all seen uh, on the news quite a bit. But actually, railroad derailments are trending lower and have been for decades. So 
Uh, because of that bad one with the uh, hazard, hazardous materials in, uh, uh, what is it, Palestine? East Palestine. East Palestine, maybe. Ohio, that uh, that's kind of something that's, uh, I think, a lot of people's perception. But uh, as is often the case when you're watching the news on TV, it may or may not actually resemble reality. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here on the WASD. That red circle right there in the middle is what the trade's going to be watching. But honestly, my experience with these sort of things is the USDA is typically behind the curve estimating the size of Argentine crops. The weather's horrible there. Got a little bit of rain late that Paige is going to talk about here in just a second. But um, whether the USDA is a little bit over or a little bit under those average trade estimates, I don't know that that's where the market's eyes are going to go. But I don't know that we'll really expect to see a whole lot of trade action because of it, because I'm not sure that the USDA would be put in the category of the world's foremost authority on soybean and corn yields in Argentina. So uh, some of the analyst community, I mean, there are estimates uh, I have heard, I haven't actually seen one, uh, all the way down below 30 million metric tons. Cordonier is down, I think, to 31 million metric tons of bean production. Um, my, my gut kind of leans a little bit towards this analyst race to the bottom here, and is it really that bad? But honestly, you know, as Nate has brought up when we talked about it in the office, uh, not a lot of boots on the ground down there, not a lot of pictures that we've really seen coming out of there. We really don't know how many acres did not get planted because it was so dry early. Uh, we don't know how poor germination rates are. So, um, boy, rare is the day that you lose 40% of a bean crop, uh, much less more than that, which is what some of them are talking about. But, uh, again, anything's possible, and I will defer to the the experts uh, on, on what that is. So, there's your... There's your estimates. I really don't think, uh, you know, U.S. market's looking for some tweaks here uh, to the ending stocks here. A little bit higher on wheat and corn, a little bit lower on beans, but not enough to really probably spend an enormous amount of time talking about it. So to that end, we'll be watching much closer to the end of the month when we get yeah. acres. Yeah, great point. That stocks and acres. The planting intentions report comes out uh, on the 31st, I think. That's not a weekend this year, is it? Nope. So, yeah, mark that date uh, on your calendar. So let's get into the individual commodities. Corn was down a bit last week, not a lot, a percent and a half. Um, I, I really think that there's, if you look at this bearish factor down here, this is probably one of the other things that is kind of weighing on the corn market a bit. We talked about this last week. Um, when you start looking at normal yields, and when you're looking at planting a lot of this corn crop into what looks like some decent soil moisture, ground with decent soil moisture in it, certainly doesn't guarantee a crop this early. But um, when you look at what we're probably going to plant in the U.S. and normal yields, not ample yields, just normal yields, uh, you kind of don't have to really stretch too far to find yourself into having plenty of corn uh, at and certainly corn that uh, does not necessarily fit. Look at this average uh, insurance price. This was the no, uh, December corn futures average in the month of February, just under six bucks, second highest ever. Um, and with some of the balance sheets that are coming out, we showed you bills last week. We showed you the Outlook conference last week. 13% uh, of use, which is where the Outlook conference was. 16% of use, which is where bill was. Uh, history tells you that neither one of those numbers gets you anywhere close to $6 corn. Uh, quite quite different. So maybe that's also starting to uh, to kind of weigh on uh, on markets here just a little bit. What's going on in wheat, Scotty? Well, a lot of little stuff, but uh, 
I, I guess the, the the big thing is that we're still going down. You see the futures up there, Friday over Friday, we were down on everything. Uh, 2% Kansas City, uh, we, we talked about those uh, kind of hallmarks of, of where Chicago and Kansas City are right now. Uh, but even Minneapolis was down a percent week over week. Um, when you look at uh, the international pricing, it's still down there low, but Russia's still leading um, uh, leading the race. Interesting there, uh, I don't know if you can peel out the middle there, but France in, in Rowan was 291 versus a Russian number at 290. Um, and they've got really nice winter wheat conditions at 95% good to excellent. Um, people are talking about it being dry today, but they're going into their uh, growing season in, in pretty good shape. Um, so VCon uh, for Russia sees their coming crop this year after the huge record that was this year, 85.3. No big news there. It's hot in India. Um, I've read stories that maybe that crop, uh, they're taking the top end off of that crop that was thought to be over 112. Maybe it's a little lower than that. I don't know. I think that we were in the harvest before all of these really, really high temps started. Uh, but maybe it took the top end of that off. I read a, read a Reuters article, I believe, yesterday that was talking about uh, um, some in India were maybe taking four, maybe five million metric tons off that 112. That does seem awfully late for that, because like you said, we're kind of kind of in the front end of harvest already. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're definitely cutting wheat over there now. Um, big news in Australia, A-Bears came out and uh, amended their 22-23 product, uh, production. And I say amended, this is their normal cadence. And they came out this time around at 39.2. So that's up over a million tons. Very nice. And their first estimate for this coming year, back down to 28.2. That's actually even higher than what a lot of the privates were saying. You know, 25, 26 would be kind of what would be normal for them. But that'd be three record years of production and then going back down to 28, which, again, would be a nice, nice crop for them it back in the day yeah well and that kind of i think goes to the and i think this is maybe a lot of you on the call may or may not know this but this whole three peat la nina thing that we've been talking about that has caused all these problems in southern brazil and especially argentina australia is on the other side of the pond and they are catching the better part of that that's where all this moisture has come from uh, that has given them all these you know record wheat crops out of australia so you would think that maybe as the, the La Nina dissipates and returns to a normal configuration, there's already people talking about an El Nino. Um, that typically flips that, but that's one of some of the typical weather patterns. With an El Nino, they get better rain. Uh, uh, South America, uh, southern part of South America, not so much. So, The last thing I'll, I'll, I'll throw out there, uh, you know, starting to talk about conditions now a little bit more, a little bit more every day almost. Um, the when you add the, the key states up for the end of February, they averaged 23.7, which is not very good. Good to excellent. That was, but that was actually a little bit better than the end of January. Um, the, the big gainer was in uh, Oklahoma. They were up 19% in the good to excellent category. And um, you, you can remember some of those maps that Paige shows us every week that Oklahoma, especially center of Oklahoma, has continued to get decent rates. So we'll be watching that more and more as every week goes by. All right. Thank you, Scott.
Soy complex uh, started the or ended the week about where it ended the prior week, uh, but in some cases a little bit like a, uh, that's probably endangers us of drowning in the river that averages three foot deep. If you pull look put it put up if you pull up a price chart, I probably should have put one in the deck this week. Uh, pretty wild ride in between the Fridays. We had uh, soybean oil, for example, uh, all the way down back under 60 cents and then all the way back up and then all the way back down to where it ended the prior Friday. So a little bit of volatility within the week, but really Friday close to Friday close did not do a heck of a lot. One of the things I wanted to call out here that's kind of probably one of the reasons um, that the soybean market has kind of held its ground while corn and wheat have fallen away here in recent weeks. Uh, Chinese are back, at least for now. Uh, you remember last year was a very disappointing year from there from them. So the fact that it's up a good bit is, I guess, not completely immaterial. It's up off of some pretty low numbers. But uh, really to start the year, January and February exports together a bit over 16 million metric tons up 16% versus the same period last year. And that is, I think, a record for them for those two months. So unfortunately, they're not getting many of those from us. Most of that is coming out of Brazil at this point, but uh, it does appear that the Chinese are back in the bean market a bit. So we'll see uh, We'll see how, uh, if that lasts. Planting, uh, I think when you, the Monte Grosso is kind of caught back up to the five-year average, the corn crop is in, we're getting the bean crop out in pretty good fashion. Um, Cordonier is still a little bit worried because there are parts of southern Brazil that are even a little bit further behind this. I think he had in his wire that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Paige or Nate, but I thought it was somewhere around 28 or 30 percent of the spring of corn crop is did not get planted in the ideal window. Again, whether that's a significant deal or not, um, I, I struggle to see how it's too big a deal with Monte Grosso to this far along, but uh, that will be determined by Mother Nature and when this uh, rainy season ends. And isn't uh, Paraguay and Uruguay behind too? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, a bit. So we'll have to wait and see if um, rainy if uh, Mother Nature turns the rainy season off way early. We could have a little bit of a problem in the end of that crop. But I would say so far so good at this point. Clearly, the corn market's not worried about it today. Um, palm oil was probably one of the bigger movers last week, up 3%. Uh, this market got a bit of a head of steam. You can see it ended the week over that $1,000 mark. But we've come in this week with two down days. Yesterday, we closed right at that smooth $1,000 level. Uh, today, we're down a little bit more, probably back at that 990. So is this market going to continue to push higher, or is this just a little bit of a run here? Uh, kind of hard to say when you look at the palm oil market, we got the, the palm oil conference, this big uh, palm oil conference in Kuala Lumpur this week, uh, getting some of the big three analysts that are speaking at uh, uh, really the last several days and we'll speak over the next couple days here uh, and really see what their thoughts on where this thing is going. But look at the, we got the, the Malaysian palm oil board uh, end of February monthly production and stocks numbers coming out. Um, the Reuters trade estimates uh, right around 2.2 million metric tons. That's down a little bit. But remember, this is the time of the year that the trees don't, don't, don't produce as much. March, we ought to just about hold our own. And then when you get out into April and the, the spring and summer months, we should start to build stocks. So this strikes me as a market that they're trying to get a little bit bulled up today. But boy, it could turn uh, could turn negative pretty quickly. One of the reasons that kind of got us rolling last week here, Malay, Malay, Indonesia finally did decide to restrict exports. 
And Malaysia is getting so much rain right now that they're talking about flooding. My experience with flooding in palm oil country is it's kind of like too much rain here. Right. It can happen, but generally rain makes grain and it, it generally ends up being a good thing. So on the bearish side, also, India is uh, talking about raising the import duty on palm oil and some other oils to kind of protect some of their farmers and uh, what has gotten to be lower prices internally. Remember, they took those duties off uh, sometime early last year to try to help with the food inflation thing, which clearly seems to have worked. So. Uh, we will see where all that goes, but I did want to show you this chart. A little bit busy. Uh, this is from uh, Alex over at Stabro. Uh, I don't know where the heck he got it, but I want, to, want you to look at these orange bars. These are stocks. They go with this right-hand y-axis. This is where we were last month. You can see from that trade estimates, we're supposed to be right in here this month. If you look at this historically over the last, better than the last decade, this is not, a, we do not have a stocks problem with palm oil nor does it look like we will have one when you look at the fact that we are just about to the end of the low production period when we will be pulling stocks down. We didn't really pull stocks down a hell of a lot in the winter months, as you can see here. So we'll see. I, this is one that I, I struggle a little bit with the bullish story uh, that they're kind of trying to gin up here that's gotten us to a thousand bucks. But uh, I guess we will see where things go. So what do you got for us on the dairy side of things, Scott? Well, uh, the big news for this week was the dairy products report. Go ahead one slide there, and you can see that cheese production, you know, was pretty decent. Uh, uh, 1.2 billion pounds, and this is the report from the end of January. So that's up a little over 3% year over year, and that's, an, that's a nice output, okay? Is that record January? I don't think so. That's a great question. Is that gray areas the last five years? And right, but uh, I guess we could have been in something prior to the last I, five years. Something tells me that that's not a record, but uh, <clears throat> I, I, I can't be certain of that. I'll have to dig into that. Um, but when you put that together with, you know, we had the inventories, uh, the cold storage report was just last week. So we were a little bit lower there, and you've got pretty decent output. That means you still had pretty good demand here in January. On the butter side of things, Decent, um, 200 million pounds, up almost 4% year over year. And again, up for the third straight month, but you're just a touch below the five-year average, maybe not as good as we'd like it to be, um, and maybe not as good as what we were all thinking. Uh, when you see it here uh, in black and white and below the five-year average, maybe just not quite as good as what we thought. Um, if you go forward one more slide, the weekly numbers, um, you've got the, the cheese market back down to that 191 level, just above 190, um, and, and really not much going on there. Uh, on the butter side of things, remember that uh, when you get to March 1, that's when we get to our new crop butter. Remember, that's uh, the kind of the term for uh, that they roll things over. And so to be spot butter, it, it has to uh, uh, begin there in March, and it can be no more than, I believe, 30 days old at that point. And generally, we'll see a little bit of a pop in those spot prices when you get to March 1st. And I say generally because that didn't happen this month. <laughs> uh, in fact, we went down, you know, seven cents on the first, and we've kind of been hanging out there in the uh, mid-230s range. So, um, a whole lot of these dairy typicals, uh, the spring flush and a lot of those things seem like they have gotten kind of covered up 
in recent years. Uh, maybe part of it's COVID and the supply chain stuff, but they have not been quite as typical as as they had been. I think and consistent and in past years. Maybe because of butter, you know, we're down certainly from those really big highs that we had, but we're still pretty um, pretty pricey. We're, yeah, we're still up That's in that point. upper part of that price range. The 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 top quintile anyway. That's a good point. Well, thank you, Scott. Now let's uh, turn it to, well, I guess I will give you the commitment of traders report weekly. Uh, we just got one more week's worth of data. Um, the one thing I did want to call out every time we get a, you wonder what's going on here. Uh, the spec has still got ginormous positions, I think is the technical term for uh, their ownership in soybean meal, uh, decent ownership in beans. I've had it suggested to me by several market participants that I talk to on a regular basis that, you know, it is the spec has got us here to $5, $500 a ton. Yes, there is a story with Argentina with the bad crop that they're having, but we got a ton of spec money. Now, again, I will tell you, we're still a month behind on this, but when you look at price action, it's hard to see how the spec would have liquidated a bunch of this. Month behind. What, what do you mean? Well, it's, this is still the seventh of. of oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we only got one more one month, one more yeah. week's worth of data. So one of these weeks, there, you would think they'd give us at least two weeks of data. Yeah, but. you would think we would get a data dump at some point. So, well, Paige, what have you? What do you see on the weather side of things? Yeah, so this is where the, kind of that first map that we always start on. This is the past seven-day precipitation. Uh, you can really see that those dry winter wheat areas did not get much love this last week. Um, you can obviously see on the West Coast that they got quite a bit of rain, uh, and a lot of the rest of the Corn Belt got some good precipitation. Um, Nate got some Nate good snow. You, I was going to say, Nate would tell you it is not rain where he is at. It is more, more snow, um, which I know he complains a lot about it, but it's probably going to be pretty good for well, spring planting and, and, here in a little bit. And the interesting thing, I, I was at a meeting last night and there was a, a, a few uh, retired farmers there. So I put them in the category of being pseudo experts. And uh, they said there's really no frost uh, to speak of underneath the snow. And 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 by driving down the gravel roads, it's pretty evident. I mean, it's it's soft. So yeah. all this all the snow we're getting and everything in a normal year, you would look at this and say, well, a lot of this stuff's just going to run off into the rivers and streams and stuff. Um, but if with as wet as it is out there, um, and as little frost as there is, the the ground is absorbing a lot of this. And when Paige, when you get to the map that shows the uh, the soil moisture, I mean, I I think we're setting ourselves up at least in the upper Midwest here, where it was very very dry last year. Uh, we're setting ourselves up for a pretty good spring. So I'm not going to complain too much. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll complain, but only because I have to. You guys had a pretty normal winter from a temperature perspective. Is there just not much frost in the ground just because we've had snow on it most of the year? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think they said if we get another three or four inches of snow up here, we'll break an all-time record. And I think we're forecasting to get another six to ten here later this week. So if we're going to go, go big, right? Yeah, go big or go home. At this point, you got to get the record, right? Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my uh, this, I believe Scott put this one in here, but this is that U.S. drought monitor. This really paints the picture of those, I kind of, I always feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but those really dry areas, uh, winter wheat areas, kind of in western Kansas and the panhandle of Oklahoma there, you can see that um, still remains to be very dry there. If you look at that, I think it's a tweet that Scott put in on the kind of bottom left there. Um 
It does seem to be improving, though. So it looks like uh, corn acreage got a little bit better. Same with soybeans. Um, and even the wheat area has gotten a little bit more rain. Um, and I think and what, if of, I could chime in here, what you're looking at there, th these percentages is the percent of corn growing area. You got 34 percent of the corn growing area that is under some level of drought. Uh, you can see the scale over here. And this is where we grow corn. I think this is soybeans, spring wheat, and winter wheat is how you look at these. And the red are the areas that are still in drought. And this is just week over week how much they've declined. So things are definitely improving. Mm -hmm. How could you have 59% of spring wheat area experiencing drought? I would almost question the data there because... Well, look at that. Look at the Dakotas. There's not one piece of white... In oh, spring, spring. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking soft winter wheat. Never mind. Never oh, okay. Mind. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of soft red winter wheat. That's what I was thinking. I would expect looking at the map and knowing where we plant soft red winter wheat, it's got to be less than 10% for soft red. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So you can see if you look at the actual U.S. drought monitor slide there, kind of that bigger map, really kind of what Nate is saying is a lot of that kind of eastern part of the Corn Belt is really looking pretty good so far. It's really kind of that central and a little bit west part. Um, and really those western areas kind of of uh, Kansas and Oklahoma, like we talked about, that's mainly kind of winter wheat over there. They're getting kind of banged up a little bit. But the picture that we are trying to paint here is that it does seem to be improving. Um, with that, do you want to flip to the next slide? This is the seven-day forecast. There's uh, looks still a, a lot lovely like last little, week's seven-day forecast. Yep, there's still a lovely little white blob right over those dry areas that we just talked about. But really, if you look at kind of the rest of the corn belt, there to Nate's point, um, there it's looking pretty dang good. Um, even the Dakotas, and I know uh, kind of the eastern part of Nebraska <laughs> where we're at, um, has still been pretty dry. Uh, that drought monitor slide back one really painted that picture but it looks like we should be getting some decent precipitation here in the next week um, which will definitely kind of help set up spring planting a little bit better then i think if you want to flip to the next Oop, one wrong way. yeah this kind of paints it's kind of a different angle of it the same picture here um kind of a lot of that growing area is not looking too bad um, most of it's kind of normal uh, moisture wise. Some of it's still a little bit dry. Obviously, those winter wheat areas that I continue to talk about are dry. A little bit of eastern Nebraska is still a little bit dry. Um, but overall, it's looking pretty good. And it seems like there's kind of a shift in pattern here. I know we've talked about the three peat La Nina seems to be kind of moderating, if not, people are already talking about it turning into an El Nino, which would kind of bring back. Some moisture, um, obviously California has been getting quite a bit of moisture here recently. So it seems like there's just kind of a pattern shift going on here, which should, knock on wood, if it continues, kind of set us up pretty well for planting here in the spring. Let's hope so. Yeah. If you want to flip forward. Don't like uh, the these blue. Are, no, none of us like the blue. Um, these are obviously the longer term forecasts. Looks like pretty well all of the U.S. is going to be below average temperatures right now. Uh, here in Nebraska, we call it full spring. It was pretty warm this last week. Um, they always try and we were 60-something right degrees here Sunday, weren't we? Yeah. 
What's it was like 65 uh, or something. I what's think. the old line about March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb, or is it the other way around? I don't remember which. It, it go, yeah, it depends on whatever. If it comes in one way, it goes out the other. I'm not sure it Nebraska on, kind of matters too much. Yeah, I was going to say it depends on which fa- farmer's almanac you read, I guess. Um, yep. <clears throat> yeah, but overall, it looks like it's going to be colder over the next two weeks, but really looks like we might get some kind of above average precipitation expected in some of these drier areas. Um, Nate's probably not mad that they're expected to get normal precipitation over the next two weeks, although normal for them to his point is still a lot. So I don't know. I got to get that record. We're so close. I know. I know. Uh, that's kind of all I had on us weather. If we want to flip forward to South America, I'm a little conflicted about this. We were talking about it before, uh, we started recording this call here. So looks like another two weeks of pretty decent rains for Argentina. That seven day, you could argue that maybe those rains aren't going to hit kind of all of the growing regions, but it's really kind of hard to wrap your head around how much this is going to help. Um, well, especially the 14. I mean, it's, it's a yeah. decent amount of rain. That's more blue than we've had in this map in a while, but that's also the third week of March. And that's very similar to the third week of September here, and you're kind of getting to the spot where you're kind of done by then, right? Yeah. Well, so, at, at what point does it become? Uh, now we're getting rain, and we can't get harvested. What's out there? I mean, I know that's a that's a, yeah, long, a way, well, but you know, that's kind of how Murphy works, right? Uh, we yeah. go from being too dry to now suddenly it's like it won't stop raining. Yeah, and yeah. Murphy has been running wild in Argentina in the last couple of years. So, yeah. So these rains are. I don't want to say they're not beneficial. I'm sure they are kind of stopping the deterioration or at least slowing it down a little bit. Argentina also had record high temperatures last week. So, I mean, if they're going to be seeing record high temperatures, you probably want to see rain go with it just to kind of keep it as is down there and not make it get any worse. Um, I'm sure it could get worse, but it's not looking overly great down there at this point. Um That's kind of what I had on Argentina. But as far as Brazil goes, they're looking pretty good. They've kind of been looking pretty good. Um, They do have, you can see on that seven-day forecast, they have kind of a pocket of those heavy rains. Um, I don't think that's right over kind of those main growing regions, is it? No. No, we're having a little bit of trouble in the south getting some of the corn crop in. But kind of right in here, I think, you know, Monte Grosso is kind of caught back up. That's up here. You kind of get down here, I think, is where they've been struggling a little bit to get that uh, the rest of that safrina corn in. Uh, and so, you know, I've got some greens and some lighter blues. Hopefully they get this wrapped up here pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the 14 day, it looks like there's kind of some spotty patterns for some of those heavier rainfalls, which I know was not beneficial uh, while they're trying to get stuff planted. But for the stuff that is planted, it's I can't imagine it would be bad. So. Yep. Little bit of a big mixed bag on Brazil, but overall looking looking far better than Argentina. So <laughs> all right, Paige. Well, thank you very much. And that's what we have for you this week. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, feedback on uh, how we do this. Uh, and as always, and especially in these crazy times, be careful out there. <laughs>